The Tapper Teacher Training is an annual retreat for homeschooling parents, a live in-person gathering that brings together heart-centered homeschoolers from all over the world for hands-on learning, community, connection, and fun. And I'd love to see you at Taproot 2024. We'll gather August 1st through 4th at a camp in Northeastern Ohio for a long weekend of engaging workshops, hiking and yoga, and personal reflection. Taproot gives everyone a chance to experience and practice singing, painting, and building main lessons in order to foster a deeper understanding of the hands-on, Waldorf-inspired approach. A team of experienced homeschoolers offer guidance rooted in each of their family's life to help bring you more joy to yours. This is our 18th year of offering this amazing experience. You can learn more at artofhomeschooling.com slash taproot2024. You're listening to the Art of Homeschooling podcast, where we help parents cultivate creativity and connection at home. I'm your host, Jean Miller, and here on this podcast, you'll find stories and inspiration to bring you the confidence you need to make homeschooling work for your family. Let's begin. Hey there, and welcome to a new episode here on the Art of Homeschooling podcast, episode 77, When Our Children Resist. So glad you're here today. In this episode, I'm sharing tips and strategies for how to deal with our children's resistance. Because let's be real, our children are not always going to say yes willingly every single time we suggest a lesson or even helping out around the house. So in today's episode, I'm talking all about three possibilities, three scenarios for how to handle our children's resistance. The truth is we can never make another person do something that we want them to do, right? We we often forget this part of the dynamic when we're planning the lessons. But then when we begin the lessons, we remember that our children have free agency and they're the ones who decide whether to step into the activities and the learning or not. So what does this mean for us as their teachers, as their homeschooling parent? How do we handle their resistance without getting into a power struggle? So the more we try to coerce and control our children, the more they will resist. So where I want to invite you to begin is with acceptance. It's often the first step so that we can get back to connecting, having that strong connection with our children. So listen up because I think you'll find my strategies and suggestions in this episode to be super helpful as you navigate your homeschooling schooling and parenting journey. If you're feeling overwhelmed right now and find you're coming up against resistance regularly, I can help you. Overwhelm often comes from not knowing where to start or what to do next. 
coupled with not knowing who to ask. So I would suggest you schedule a mentor session with me and we can get you back on track. This episode comes from a bonus training I created for a masterclass called The Art of Teaching. This is just one of over 25 masterclasses inside the Inspired at Home membership. That's another option for you to get the support you need. You can find links to my mentor sessions Inspired at Home, and all the other resources that I mentioned in this episode today over in the show notes at artofhomeschooling.com slash episode 77. Today, I want to share with you some ideas, right, for how to respond. I know, I mean, I have three kids, right? And I know how frustrating it can be when our children are dragging their feet. It seems to like suck all of our energy away sometimes when, when they put up a resistance. It can be super frustrating and can even derail us in our homeschooling progress. So I want to give you some ideas for how to choose how you're going to respond. I have three scenarios to offer to you, and it's going to help you discern what's going on with your child and then how you might choose to respond to the situation. So when things aren't working right in our homeschools, we need to pivot. So we want to take a step back and approach things differently than what we've been doing so far, right? Because we all know that if you keep doing what uh, you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So the very first step, though, um, this might surprise you because this is really taking higher view, right? The very first step is for you to even be willing and able to accept that your child is going to resist sometimes. Okay. It's part of childhood. It's part of teaching and learning. This happens sometimes and that it's perfectly normal. I want to help you stay out of the game of what I call the game of shame and blame, because that's what we often do. We blame ourselves, we blame our children, and then we make that person, either ourselves or our child, feel bad about that. And that actually doesn't really help. It's not serving us, right? There's nothing wrong with responding that way. It just doesn't help us solve the resistance challenge that we're facing. So in order to step out of that shame and blame pattern, we need to accept it first and recognize that resistance is going to be there sometimes, right? There's no perfect curriculum or plan or parent or anything approach. There's no perfect thing that's going to make the resistance go away. I had a homeschooling friend early on who was convinced that if she did everything right, whatever that means, right, that her children wouldn't rebel as teenagers. And I remember thinking she might be in for a surprise here because children, that rebellion is normal. It's part of their development because they're trying to figure out their place in the world. Just like resistance is a normal part of the learning process. 
children resist when their needs aren't being met. So we want to figure out what those needs are and be able to shift gears. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about how to do that today, but you just might need some sort of mantra. If you find that difficult to believe or you find it hard to accept that your children might resist sometimes, that they shouldn't resist ever, then you might need a mantra, something like, Sometimes children resist and that's okay. Or sometimes my children are going to resist my plans and that's normal. You don't want it happening all the time, but just accepting that, yep, this happens part of the game and it simply is a message to pay attention. That's what it is. So it's going to happen sometimes. And okay, once you have that like acceptance of it mindset, then you're ready to problem solve and begin to figure out how to respond. All right. So we know this is going to happen sometimes and it still can be really difficult to know how to respond, right? I get these questions all the time from parents. Should I just push through and insist that they do the work? Should I give up altogether? Should I change curriculum? Should I do use a different approach? Do I let go? right? Of the lesson that I had planned and regroup. Sometimes then we go all the way back to beginning and start planning over again. I do not recommend that. Should I change course altogether, right? Maybe we should be unschoolers now. I mean, all these questions come up and I had them myself, right? And the answer is, first of all, you get to decide, (laughs) That's both good news and challenging news, I know, but you get to decide and this tips and strategies that I have here for you are going to help you figure out what's going on for your child so that you can match your response to the particular situation. You've probably heard the advice that Rudolf Steiner gave to the very first teachers in the first world of school back in 1919. He said, look at the children before you and bring them what they need. This is actually why he never wrote down a curriculum, because he wanted every single teacher to figure out the best curriculum, the best plan and approach and lessons for those particular children. It's daunting. I know we need guidance sometimes, but it's actually why there was no, I couldn't purchase a Waldorf inspired curriculum when my children were first starting out because it didn't exist because everybody said, well, Steiner said, let's never write one down. So it just wasn't available. I'm glad that there is curriculum available now. On the other hand, there is so much that it can be really overwhelming. I get that. That's why I encourage you to customize, right? And even if you purchase a curriculum and are following it to the T, resistance is going to come up. That gets back to square one of accepting that resistance is part of the teaching and learning process. All right. So Steiner said, look at the children before you bring them what they need. And as homeschoolers, I think we're in a wonderful position to be able to do that. Probably even a better position to be able to do that than a classroom teacher, because we have a much smaller teacher student ratio and we know our children really well. So if we can first accept that this is going to happen sometimes and second, step away from the shame and blame game, like don't take the resistance personally. That's not always easy, but I encourage you not to take it personally. Then we can problem solve and really figure out what's going on and figure out how to respond. So if your current homeschooling lessons are not working, right, then you get 
to be the creative problem solver and find what will work. That's our job. Like I've always thought that's the job of a teacher, right? Even students in in schools that get labeled a certain way, it's really the job of the system and the teacher to figure out what does work for that particular child. And luckily as homeschoolers, we've made the commitment to do that, right? We're showing up for that. So that's our job. That's our job as teachers and parents is to figure out what will work. So when things aren't working, how do you begin down that path of finding what will work? So first of all, the way you're going to know it's not working, I mean, you'll know, right? But the way, the, the main indicator that things are not working is your child's behavior, right? And your child's behavior is going to indicate to you that there's something just a little bit off and that they're needing more than they're getting right now. So if your child is resisting the lesson, then we're just outright refusing, right? They're not going to do it or they're whining, they're complaining, whatever. Then we want to start by asking ourselves, why? Why are they behaving this way? Are they bored? Is the work too hard? Is the work too easy? Are they distracted? Are they exhausted? There's so many different possibilities, but here's what I want to offer you today. And I'm going to give you three different scenarios and it's kind of a choose your own adventure. A lot of times our observation skills are kind of clouded if we are taking this personally or we're stuck in that place of this shouldn't be happening. So remember to do that work first. But how you respond to the situation or to their resistance is going to differ depending on what you sense is going on with your child, right? And sometimes we just are having to take a guess about this. So here are a few scenarios with examples that can help you begin to tease apart what you think is actually going on on this particular day, right? Or in this particular time in your child's homeschooling journey. So first scenario is if you sense that your child is bored, right? Then you want to switch things up and find something that works better. Sometimes it's a matter of just taking a break from the way you're doing it. Sometimes it's a matter of really shifting things around for this block or this month or this season, however you want to do it. It might be having them record their learning differently. It might be using different resources, but I wouldn't change up the resources yet. Because what we tend, what I see homeschoolers do over and over again is kind of throw the whole plan out the window and go back to square one. And that is is a huge time waster because sometimes we just need to tweak a few things. So here are some, here's an example and some ideas for what you could do. So let's say you're working with your child on making a main lesson book, right? That's the way we record learning in the Waldorf approach. And we often are reading a story and drawing or painting a picture of it. And then we're reviewing the story and writing a summary of it. So if you find your child and this happens, it happened to me, right? But if you find your child showing any sign of resistance, which might look like whining, complaining, crying, (laughs) saying, I can't do this sort of crumpling in their chair, right? Like they, all the energy or air has kind of gone out of their sails. 
any of those things, they can't sit up straight. They, they aren't fully present for this particular lesson. Sometimes it's because they're bored, right? And, uh, and boredom can have behind it a lot of things too. And I'm going to talk in a minute about if it's too hard or if it's too easy, but boredom can also look like if they're exhausted. So you really are going to have to get at like as, as specific as you can, what you think is the cause, right, of their behavior. But here are some things, if you think that boredom is the reason, is the why, right, for your child's resistance, here's some things that you could do. And they can be so simple. And again, like I said, I do not recommend that the first step is you throw the whole thing out because what you'll do is it'll take you weeks to get back to where you are and then you hit the resistance again. And so that's not really the answer. The answer is to tweak a few things and re-engage your child somehow, and then make note of what worked, right? It may not work the next time, but you just want to make note of what worked because that, that might be a clue for the next time. So you can try switching gears and just doing a completely different type of activity, like set that main lesson book entry aside and go do a fabulous read aloud, like some really fun book that you're reading, a chapter book that you're reading together. Or you could memorize a poem and have them write the poem into the main lesson book. That's actually when you're having main lesson book trouble, the very like go-to thing to, for switching things up is to do the written work differently. Cause that's usually where the resistance comes in. Sometimes it's through the drawing. And if that's the case, then help them more, right. Or make the drawings like broader brush strokes, right. And not as much detail, but more color. If it's the writing of the summary, you could do it in a really different way. Just write some dialogue in there. Memorize a poem and have them then copy the poem into the main lesson book. You could try dictation rather than them copying a summary with you. But switching it up is really important because that pattern of drawing one day, writing a summary the next can get stale. So you want to mix that up sometimes. You can also just like play a game, you know, set again, set aside the main lesson book for a bit. Don't have to be making a main lesson book every single block and go play a fun game like Bananagrams or Scrabble or something like that. So if your child is bored, you want to interject a surprise or something fun or something that you really enjoy doing together, because that pattern of shame and blame is going to be where your child keeps resisting and you keep resisting the resistance or getting irritated by the resistance. And that is not a good thing to keep pressing forward with. You really want to switch things up. And then when you come back to the work, like don't ditch it all together, but when you come back to it, then hopefully you're feeling refreshed or have some new ideas, feeling renewed about the work at hand. And children actually need lots of hands-on activities in order to step into the work, to engage in the work. So don't forget the other lively arts, aside from drawing and painting, to bring those in, you know, modeling, singing, drama, turn it into a puppet show, the story, movement, lots and lots and lots of movement and beanbag games and all of that, because the lively arts really help children engage in the learning and help make it more memorable. Bonus there, bring those in. Okay. Scenario number two, 
if your child is resisting because the work is too difficult, which can be the case sometimes, then you want to break it down even further, right? Into smaller chunks. And here's an example. You're doing math problems and your child whines or cries or resists, and you're not sure why, but it seems like it might be too hard. Then here are a couple things you can do. Instead of putting, like, instead of doing 10 math problem practice problems in a day, do two, right? Remember, scale back to find the success and then build back up from there. You could review how to do the problem, right? Maybe your child is very verbal and needs you to say each step of the problem out loud. Like if it's a, you know, two plus five equals, right? And then there's a blank or oftentimes it's that blank number, like seven equals two plus, and then there's blank. Then you could say, how, you know, how do we figure that out and talk it through verbally? Oftentimes children need us to do the problem with them, probably more than we think they need, right? Or more than we want to do it with them. I mean, kids really, they want to learn from other human beings and they want us by their side, even all the way up until like age 12 or 14. We hope that they'll be independent before then, but oftentimes that's not the case. They really want to learn alongside other humans and we want to be able to provide that in some way. Even if they're doing the work independently, we want to be nearby. So human connection is super important. And the converse of this is that the work is too easy. And sometimes the behavior looks the same. Is it too hard or is it too easy? And we have to really make a guess as to which we think it is. But if it's too easy, then give them more work. My suggestion is to do a few problems together and then send them off to do a few problems on their own and bring them back to you. And if that works, then maybe it's continuing a combination of those two things. But if you do too much of one or the other, it's sometimes it's hard to tell whether the work is too easy or too hard, meaning you do it together hundred percent or they have to do it independently hundred percent, mix it up. And it often requires us to just guess, like I said, whether we think it's too hard or too easy, use your intuition and then try some of these strategies and see which one works. And that might give you a further clue as to what's going on. All right. Scenario number three is if you sense that your child is distracted, then you want to really simplify your day. So this, what this looks like, the example of this is that your child is constantly talking about what they want to do after the lesson is over, right? Or talking about that favorite thing that they love doing, like a game that they love playing or Legos or something like that, that they're always focused on that when you're supposed to be focused on lessons and they just can't seem to be focused on their work. Now, this can also be an indication of exhaustion. So you just need to check in with yourself. Are we trying to do too much? Usually the answer to this is to simplify and model the behavior that you want. So simplifying is just a simpler daily rhythm. Maybe you have too many outside activities, or maybe you have too many, like maybe there's just too much going on in your child's life where you, you have this class or an online thing or this, you know, like a really tight schedule throughout the day and your child needs more downtime perhaps. So a few things to try are simplify your daily rhythm and scale back. I'm warning you to not jump to being punitive because sometimes that's what we tend to do, but instead focus on finding what is most helpful 
Uh, Maybe limit screen time some. You just have to check in with yourself about that. Try your very best to limit interruptions, including your own interruptions. And modeling the behavior is really important. So we need to set our phones aside, not answer, not chat with our friends, not look at email, not look at other things during the time that we have said we're devoting to homeschooling. Whatever that time is, and it could be a smaller chunk of the day, but we want to be fully present with our children and show that we can be, or at least are working on becoming distraction-free because we live in a really distracting world and, and we want to model for our children how to handle that. Keep the motto in mind, do less better. So tighten up that rhythm, have your focus time be a shorter amount of time so that you can truly, truly, truly be present and invite your children to do the same. All right. This last scenario, of course, overlaps some with the first one where your child might be bored, but just all these ideas are different ideas in all three scenarios, ideas that you can try so that you can A, get in touch with the why, why you think your child is resisting and B, find ideas that work, like I said. So you want to switch things up and have lots of ideas in your back pocket and be a creative thinker. You can come up with a hundred ideas like this. I'm sure that you might try the next time your child resists. The bottom line is this. If your child is resisting, start with the why, right? Why is your child putting up this resistance to you and to the lesson? If you don't really know, just observe for a day or two and make your best guess, like I said, and use some of these suggestions here to try out, and that might give you further clues as to what's going on. So get creative, think about what your child enjoys doing, what might engage the learning more fully. And there's no magic bullet, right? There, we, we often skip over the step of observing and considering the why. So that's why I'm saying start there before taking action. And remember that the place to start is observation, observing our child's behavior, and then getting in touch with where the resistance is coming from so that we can pivot in a way that's most helpful and not harmful or blaming. Teaching really is an art there's an art to it, right? And what works one day may not work the next day. Those of us who have homeschooled for a long time know this well, right? That each day is different. Each child is different. And we just need to have a collection of ideas to try out when things aren't going smoothly because they won't go smoothly 100% of the time. But when they don't, that doesn't mean there's something gravely wrong. It simply means that it's our job to find ways to engage our children more fully. Sometimes it means finding ways that excite us too, stories that we love, that we want to share with our children, activities that we love so that our, it's, it's contagious, right? So that our children can see us light up about learning and then they might be more willing to step in as well. So find your happy place with homeschooling too. And have a collection of ideas for the next time your child resists 
And don't forget to start with the why. Observe their behavior and try to make the best guess that you can about why you think they are putting up that resistance so that you can pivot until you find what works. All right. Hope that's helpful and all the best to you in your homeschooling and in accepting that children will sometimes resist. Talk to you next time. Bye. That's all for today, my friend. But here's what I want you to remember. Rather than perfection, let's focus on connection. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Art of Homeschooling podcast. Mm -hmm.